Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Tulare Community Church. Like Steve said, my name is Nick Ferguson. I'm the Director of Student Ministries at The Well in Fresno. I've been there about four years, and I know some of you. It's been kind of a fun family reunion, uh, class reunion going on this morning. Uh, but I want to introduce you guys to my family. So up here on the screen, we're going to have my family. Aww. So that's my wife, Leslie. We've been married 12 years. It'll be 13 years this December. Up there in the top, doing the heart hands, that's our daughter, Gracie. She is seven, doing the hands and looking so sweet. That is uh, Cassidy. She is four. She is our CEO. She believes she is in charge of us and the rest of the world. And uh, I hope she takes care of her daddy (laughs) when she gets older. Uh, On uh, the bigger girl, on... My wife's lap is our two-year-old Evelyn, and uh, she, we believe, is going to be a professional wrestler when she grows up. And then (laughs) the newest one, Abby, she is four months old, and that look on her face, that's not like capturing a moment. That's what she looks like all the time. She is shocked that she is part of our family. She does not understand why God has put her in this house of screaming and crying and glitter and hair. That's what our house is about. And if you can see, uh, I haven't slept in seven years. So if I yawn, no, that's why. And if you yawn, it's not probably because I'm boring. It's probably because you have children, and I'm just going to go with that. So I'm having kind of a surreal morning this morning, being here at this church. I want to show you a picture real quick. This is 1996, eighth grade graduation. That's me dead center with a tie looking over my shoulder because someone has just flicked my ear at uh, our eighth grade graduation, and that's when they took the picture. So uh, the idea that I would be standing here in 1996 is like beyond my comprehension. If you had asked me then, what are you going to do when you grow up, I would have said, I'm going to be a pharmacist. My dad's a pharmacist. When I hit 15, I started working for Long's Drugstore. Uh, I got a pharmacy technician's license, and that's what my plan for my life was. I was going to be a pharmacist. Uh, I went to College of the Sequoias, and I was a pre-med, so I took Bio 1 and Bio 2, and then the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, I took a three-week summer trigonometry class. Three weeks for trigonometry, college level, and the professor said the first day, I'm not going to grade homework, which I heard was, I'm not going to do homework. (laughs) So I failed that trigonometry class, first time I'd ever failed a class in my entire life, and it made me start like reconsidering, what am I going to do with my life? I don't want to really retake that class, and one day I went to Long's to go bring a college course book to somebody, and all of the managers were out in the parking lot, and they were surrounding this scuzzy-looking dude with a backpack on, and they were just, like, circling him kind of a thing, and I was like, oh, something's going down this morning, and all of a sudden, he just bum-rushed our cosmetics manager. I don't know what she was doing out there. She's, like, five foot to 100 pounds. Like, what is she going to do to this guy? He rushes right past her, and I don't even think. I just rush tackle him to the ground, pin him down, and wait till the cops get there and just hold him down there. And as you can imagine, I was just full of adrenaline, just so pumped up on life. I went to my friends and told them all about it, like it was the best thing ever. I wish I could do this every day. 
if I was a cop, I could do this every day. So I transferred from pre-med to criminology, went to Fresno State my junior year, and started taking criminology classes. I was in 23 units my first semester, and I was working a full-time job. I was living in an apartment by myself. I was addicted to pornography. I was drinking. I was doing a lot of things that I shouldn't be doing because I grew up in the church, and I grew up knowing about Jesus, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I didn't know who Jesus was. I'd talk a lot about, it's, it's like I had a Jesus baseball card. I could tell you where he was born. I could tell you facts about him, but if he walked in the door, I wouldn't, he wouldn't know me. Just like if a baseball player walked in, I could probably tell you some stats about him, but they wouldn't say, hi, Nick. How are you doing? And so at 20 years old, I gave my life to Christ. And so I continued on in criminology. I got sworn into the sheriff's department. I started going to a church called the Well Community Church in 2002 and started serving and got into community. And God changed my life through that. In 2003, I started serving in the first ever youth ministry that that church had ever had. And they, they said, where can we have youth group? Because we didn't have a church building. I said, you could have it at my house. had no idea what a youth group, like how, how to run a youth group, but I decided I was going to host it. They said, well, somebody has to give the first message. I said, I'll give it a shot. And that year, I started serving full-time in youth ministry and serving in the sheriff's department. And God put it on my heart. You can be the consequence for people, or you can be on the preventative end for people. And so I transferred out of Fresno State my second semester of my senior year. Students in the room, don't do that. It's a bad idea. Just finish. Unless God has given you a clear directive, finish school. Just finish school. I started over. I went to Bible college after that, got into full-time ministry at that point, saying, God, use me to be on the preventative end of things. And that kid right there had no idea what God was going to do with his life. So all that to say, this is a great opportunity for me to be with you this morning, and I'm excited to bring God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for loving us. I thank you that you would use an unexpected person like me to bring your word. I thank you that you've called each of us to know you to learn from your word, to be changed by you. Lord, help us to be more like your son Jesus when we leave today. We pray this in his name. Amen. I love this theme you guys have, this off-season training, because I was a football coach. I was a football coach at Mission Oak for a few years here in Tulare. I was a football coach in Chino Hills High School for a few years before that, and I love the off-season. Because the off-season is where you lay your foundation. You do a lot of things, and you do them repetitively, and you lay a strong foundation that should show you what your trajectory is. And last week, Pastor Steve talked about your heart. Getting your heart right. Making sure that your heart is taken care of. That way you can take care of other people. Taking care of that, those anger issues and getting rid of those. Well, today we're going to lay a foundation that should change the trajectory of your walk with Christ. And that is because we're going to just talk about what does it mean to walk with Jesus. The first step is that we've got to focus our eyes on Jesus. John 8 verse 12 says this, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is 
this has got to be the foundation of walking with Jesus, is Jesus. That we are going to walk after the one who is the light. It's a fascinating thing that Rick Warren wrote that book, Purpose Driven Life, 40 Days of Purpose, and it just took off. Because the first line of that book is, the story's not about you. The story's not about us. The story's about Jesus. We're not the hero of the story. Like, we love stories as people. We love to watch movies and read books, but we always read them like we're the hero, like we're Jason Bourne, or we're Wonder Woman, or not me, but you maybe. Uh, We're Ant-Man or the Wasp. We are not the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero of the story, and we are to be reflections of him. He is the light. We are not. We are to just mirror him, to reflect him, to point people to him, to the true source of light. He is the light. So how do we get this light of life? Well, John 3.16 tells us, as you probably know, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. A lot of people stop there at John 3.16, but the verses following are so powerful. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. This is amazing. This tells us exactly how to get that light, that we would believe in the Son, that we would believe in the name of Jesus, what he did for us on the cross. We stood condemned. Without Jesus, we stood condemned. We could not be saved. We could not have the light. We were separated from God except for what Jesus has done for us. And it tells us right here that like, we have this decision to make. We need to turn around. We need to repent. We need to believe in Jesus because without him, we are lost. Walking in the light, walking with Jesus is not natural. It says that men loved the darkness. Think about it. The very first sin, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They ran away from God. God's presence They hid. They tried to hide their shame and their guilt, their mistake from God. He is the light. He shows up. He's on the scene. He is holy. And they knew, we don't want anything to do with you right now. We see the people of God in the Old Testament do the same thing over and over again. Running away from God. Running away from the light. We see the disciples in the New Testament not get it over and over again messing up, not understanding what Jesus is calling them to. And I think if we're honest, it's our natural bent too. It's our natural bent that when we make a mistake, when we have something we're struggling with, that we don't bring it to the light, but we hide it. And it leads to a life of guilt and shame and hurt. But we see in these verses what we're supposed to be. 
Verse 21, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. What does it look like for you to live in the truth, to bring these things to light? Maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, or maybe you've just started walking with Jesus. What does it really mean to walk in the light? We have kind of a checkpoint that we can say. This is our off-season training. We need to know where we're at, so that way we know where we want to get to. I think we have that in Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 11. This is our training checkpoint, how we're doing reflecting Jesus. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Those are three pretty good checkpoints. How are you doing being good, righteous, and telling the truth. Finding out what pleases the Lord. Having nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather exposing them. How are you doing? Is there a measurement that you have where you can say, this is when I decided to follow the Lord, and this is how my life looks different now. This is where I'm at today. This is where I want to be This is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I'm going to bring to the light. We are going to expose our fruitless deeds, the things that are distracting us, the things that are detracting from our relationship with God. What are those things for you? And like I said, it's not natural for us to bring these things to the light. We want to hide these things. These are not things that we are comfortable with sharing These are things that are hard. These are things that, well, that's between me and God. I'm not sure that's what the Bible says. That's just between you and God. So let's look at some practical next steps about walking with God. What does it look like to walk in the light? 1 John 1, 5 through 10 says this. This is the message we have heard from him, and we declare it to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. There's a lot there. There's a lot in that passage. One of the main things for me is that this has to do with fellowship. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. The Christian faith is not one that you can do alone. I'll repeat it. The Christian faith is not one that you can do alone. And you might think, well, it's between me and God. We're going to deal with that here in a minute. It is not just about you and God. It is about this community of believers in this room right now. That you need each other to fulfill this. That you need each other to be able to walk in this. Because really, the thing that unites us, what's the thing that unites us? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one thing that we're here for. He's the one person that makes us all equal. 
that you are no different than me, that you are one of two types of people. There's only two types of people in the world. Did you know that? There's people who know that they're a sinner and need Jesus, and there's people who don't. That's it. In the grand scheme of things, on the last day, when God's judgment is here, that's it. There's going to be two types of people. People who know that they are a sinner, who need Jesus, and people who don't. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The difference is, did you do it before? Or is he making you then? Because we are sinners. John 3.16 says we were all sinners. We were condemned. We stood before God condemned without Jesus. And I pray that this community that I'm looking at right now is a community that is united in the fact that you have one thing and one thing only in common, that you are united knowing that you are a sinner in need of Jesus. Because that changes everything. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. How can we not read these words and have it affect who we are? How can we not have it change the way we see other people? People we deal with on a daily basis. Maybe there's that person that you're like, man, what's wrong with them? They're you without Jesus. I can be judgmental. I can be critical. I can look at others and be like, mm, they're messed up. I'm messed up. Thank the Lord that He is working out His sanctification in me, that He is not letting me stay how I was, but I have bowed my knee and I proclaim Jesus as Lord of my life because I'm a sinner who needs Him. We only deceive ourselves if we claim to be without sin. We confess our sins. He is faithful and just and forgives us our sins and purifies us from all righteousness. You might say, yeah, that's between me and God. I confess my sins to him. He forgives me. That's how this works. Well, I'll tell you, James 5.16 has a different tone to it. It says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You can't do that by yourself. You cannot do this by yourself. You need someone. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a small group. You need someone, a coffee group, whoever that you are willing to do this with. That you would confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There is something unnatural about this. Adam and Eve ran away. The Israelites ran away. We take our darkness and we run away from this because this is hard. Because this could change the way that person looks at me. This could change the way this person sees me. If I own up to my stuff, if I say this is my sin to you, then I fear that you're going to reject me. I fear that we cannot be one anymore but we are one in what? That we are all sinners. We should have no fear of this. We are all sinners saved by Jesus. So why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? Galatians 6 tells us this. 
Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch for yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Love that part. If you see yourself as something when you are not, they deceive themselves. We are sinners saved by Jesus. And we need others to know what it means to be saved by Jesus. Verse 2 says that if we carry each other's burdens, we do what? We fulfill the law of Christ. We fulfill the law of Christ by helping each other carry one another's burdens. The faith walking in the light looks like this, that you would help somebody who confesses their sin, that you would be their accountability, that you would pray for them, that you would help them move forward. And some of you are like, man, I would love to be that person. I would love to help somebody carry their burden. I would love to be in a community where they're telling me things and I just want to be there for them and help them love Jesus more. And I know there's some of you who are thinking that. And I'm going to tell you right now, then you need to be the first one to confess. If you're feeling like you want to be that for somebody, then you create a community where you begin to confess. Because as you confess, you're creating a space that is safe for confession. If you never tell me your stuff, the likelihood is I'm never going to trust you with mine. And if we are to fulfill the law of Christ, then this has to be a reciprocal thing. We have got to have community where confession happens and where people do not reject, they do not judge, but they say, we've got you. We're going to help you with that. Let us pray for you. Let us hold you accountable. It's a beautiful thing. That if we can do those two things, we fulfill the law of Christ. We confess, we receive healing, we carry each other's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. This is off-season training. It's hard. This is the work. This is the work that changes trajectories. When you do the off-season work, you win or lose championships, we would tell people. This is the groundwork for the Christian faith. This changes communities. What do we hear? What is the result that we want? Why are we doing the hard work? I would hear that from players all the time. Why are we doing this? Because we want a result. We want a championship. What is our championship, believers? John 13, verses 34 through 35 is this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. We will be known as disciples of Jesus if we love one another. We love through truth and grace. We speak truth. We walk in the light. We follow Jesus. We point people to him. We will let people know that we are his disciples by the way we love each other. And love does not mean staying in the darkness. Love means walking in the light. 
confessing and carrying each other's burdens. Let's be this. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to do this. Help us to be humble and tender-hearted, to respond to Your Word, to not just be hearers of Your Word, but doers of Your Word. To not think these are cute concepts or great ideas, but that this is a calling for our life. That we would have community. That we would have confession. That we would be healed. That we would help others. That we would be one in such a way in love, truth, and grace that others look at us and say they must know Jesus. Pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you want to know more about the ministries and mission of Tulare Community Church, visit us at tccalive.org.